time for us as a people to start making some changes. Let's change the way we eat, let's change the way we live, and let's change the way we treat each other. You see, the old way wasn't working, so it's on us to do what we got to do to survive. So what I'm talking about today is the biggest problem I see in the ketogenic diet world. And this is important in my mind because I primarily eat a ketogenic diet. I have found that it creates the best result for me personally. Oh, interesting. Look at my screen here. And I'm watching my screen for a second. All right, hold on, let's try this. Technology is fun. There we go. Let's try that. Um, so the ketogenic diet is a very interesting thing. It's what I primarily eat. How I, how I primarily eat, I should say. Hey, Mary, thanks for joining us. If you can hear me, can you give me a thumbs up? Make sure that everything's okay. Um, but in a ketogenic world, there's a lot of misconceptions in some of the groups that I belong to and some of the ways that I'm seeing the ketogenic diet being discussed. First off, there's a couple reasons for starting a ketogenic diet. The biggest one is that most people are looking for a solution for fat loss. That's pretty obvious, right? Standard eating, trying to do the traditional way of, you know, five, six meals a day or maybe three meals a day, eating foods that are leading to increasing body fat, it gets frustrating after a while, and so we start trying different solutions. And we hear about the ketogenic diet and how it's somehow magical for fat loss, and so we attempt to start the ketogenic lifestyle. The second reason that people come to the diet are for neurological conditions. It is shown uh, the ketogenic diet actually originated in the early 1900s to treat seizures in children. When they were giving them a very high-fat diet, I believe it was 90%, don't quote me on that, but um, a very high-fat diet was preventing the seizures from occurring. And to this day, all sorts of neurological conditions are being shown to have great benefits by being in ketosis. And then lastly, the ketogenic diet is being used in cancer treatment and cancer research. Now, I shouldn't say lastly, obviously, there's many you know, different health conditions that might benefit from this, but right now we're just talking about the biggest three and where some of this leads into this problem I'm going to discuss. So when we're in ketosis and our blood sugar is stable and we're not putting glucose into our body, we have less glucose to feed cancer cells. There's a great uh, researcher named Dom Diagostino. He's appeared on Joe Rogan and a lot of other places. If anybody wants to learn more about him, please throw me an email or a comment in the links, and I will give you some more information about him. He believes that within a couple of years, the ketogenic diet is going to be a standard of care in cancer treatment, just from the fact that the absence of glucose is going to enable these different therapies to have a much greater impact far faster. So why am I talking about all this? Why does it even matter? Well... Because when you go and you start looking for information on the ketogenic diet, you really it gets convoluted very quickly based on what the outcomes are. If you listen to Dom Diagostino, he's a brilliant researcher. His ketogenic diet version is a lot higher in fat than if you go to a credible um, body transformation or body recomposition program such as Keto Gains. 
and you're going to see different macro le macronutrient levels. And that's really going to start to throw off the understanding of what the diet is. And the biggest misconception is this idea that our goal is to produce more ketones. That by somehow producing more and more ketones, we are going to shred our body fat. And I'm going to veer off in this conversation now. We're going to get into the more of the physical aspects. We're going to talk about performance and physique muscle acquisition, all that great stuff, because that is the bulk of people who are coming to the ketogenic diet, let's be honest, are coming because they're overweight or they're obese or seriously overbese. And the way they've been approaching it is not working. So they hear about keto and how it's marketed and they try it. And there's a lot of great success stories floating around. People have lost hundreds and hundreds of pounds. People have lost pounds, you know, 30, 50, 100 pounds when other dietary approaches haven't worked for them. So there's a lot of validity to believing that this is a great solution. But when that starts to happen, sometimes it goes off the rails. And a big idea that's floating around right now, and the first thing I want to talk about is the idea of like a blood ketone level. And I have played around with tracking blood ketones just kind of out of curiosity. That's very difficult to correlate a blood ketone level with increased fat loss. I have seen people who are very lean and very strong and their blood ketone levels are very low. Like in the range that they technically would not even qualify to be in ketosis, but yet they're eating a ketogenic diet, okay? They're training regularly every single day. They're training heavy. Their workloads far outseed most of ours. So just because their blood ketone level doesn't reach that minimum threshold doesn't mean they're not in ketosis. And outside of blood ketone monitoring, it gets even more problematic when people start urine strip testing. The urine strip is a great tool for diabetics. It absolutely should be used. It'll tell you when ketone levels in the urine are high enough to where it becomes a problem. But for the rest of us who enter this diet wanting to recomposition our body or for performance, the blood key, uh, the uh, sorry, the the strip testing is going to be nothing but problems. And the reason for that is that it's measuring wasted ketones. It's measuring ketones that are showing up in the urine, which means, and it's only measuring one out of three types of ketones, which is acetone. So it's showing ketones that the body is not properly used that's now coming out of the urine. Again, great for diabetics because it shows when there's, you know, a condition that needs to be addressed. Pardon me, I'm going to slip on my decaf cold root for a second. But for the rest of us, as we become what's called fat adapted, where we start developing the ability to use fat as a primary fuel source, it's going to start to frustrate us when our urine levels are no longer showing that we're in ketosis. And it doesn't mean that we're not in ketosis. All that it's showing is that this one specific type of ketone body is no longer being excreted in a large enough amount that we previously were experiencing. So the biggest takeaway that I want from this is don't use urine testing strips, number one. And if you do start playing around with blood ketones levels, I would say that if there's a neurological condition, it might be worth the time just to kind of check. But really, you're only kind of checking to try to get a baseline for how you feel. 
hey, I feel great today. What level am I at? And then you can kind of start to correlate what you're eating and how much with the subjective experience. So you have this objective experience and you have the subjective experience and you're trying to get a gauge on where these two meet. So it can be a good tool for providing a little clarity like that. But from my experiments with it, there was times where I was you know, eating very strict ketogenic diet and my blood ketones were very low. Ironically, the highest blood ketone levels I had was after drinking Zevia. So somebody take a crack at that one. Was that mean that we should all, if we were in keto, uh, using a ketogenic diet, that we should try, try to drink lots of Zevia to be in better ketosis, quote unquote better, or deeper ketosis? No. I think that's a pretty silly assertion. But that's the marketing behind every single prove-it type ex exogenous ketone drink. Hey, this puts you into ketosis because your blood level is now hitting that threshold and above. The most likely explanation for why my blood ketone levels were raised after drinking a drink that had erythritol in it is that my body had to shift from using the fat that I was producing endogenously, meaning internally, and it had to shift to now burn off this erythritol before it went back to metabolizing fat. So it's the exact opposite of what we're trying to accomplish. Rob Wolf did a great interview. Um, for those who don't know, he's authored some paleo books, and he's a really good ketogenic expert. He also happens to choke me out twice a week usually as he uh, teaches me Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's an aside. But he's done some really brilliant research, and um, he had a great interview, and he thought that exogenous ketones would become very well used on like medical conditions such as if somebody experiences like a head trauma like if they're playing a sport get hit in the head the ketone would get you know the exogenous ketone salts would be useful to provide the brain some support under those kind of conditions there's other people who use them for performance for cognitive performance for having more energy and clarity that's cool but to say it promotes fat loss the only real role it would have in a fat loss um, diet is if you're having such intense cravings that the, you know, the exogenous ketones make it go away. Okay, that's great. Use it there. I know people who are getting just as good as benefits just using MCT oil. And as a pre-workout, they take MCT oil and some salt and some doses of caffeine. So just look beyond the marketing of these products and really ask what's going on. The whole goal of the ketogenic diet is to transition into using stored body fat as the primary fuel source and to become fat adapted, meaning that we're running on fat more often. And it's totally possible. There are no essential carbohydrates. That doesn't mean the diet should be used by everybody. There are a lot of people who function amazing on high carbohydrate diets or higher carbohydrate diets. And there's people like me who try to have moderate to high carbohydrate loads and we, and I don't feel as well. I don't perform as well. I have some mental clarity issues. I get ravenous. So this leads to my second point. So the biggest takeaway, like I said, if you're going to use these tools, monitor, have some fun with it, whatever. But they're very expensive, number one. Blood ketone testing gets very expensive. The strips, you know, they have these little strips that come with it. I think it's like a buck a pop. The ketone monitor itself is like 70. So, you know, just to use it to think it's going to help is not the case. And a lot of times we're trying to use these tools to circumvent the really difficult work, which is working on our beliefs, working on our mindset, getting everything dialed in, and using whole foods first and foremost. If you want to do ketosis, that doesn't mean you're going to be eating you know, pork rind nachos every single night and losing a lot of body fat. 
I'll be the bad guy and I'll break it to you, but there's going to be some problems there at some point. And it creates a problem when people initially come in. When people initially come in and if you have 60 pounds to lose or 100 pounds to lose, just about anything's going to work if you're now controlling your energy intake. If you're starting to get more energy balance with what you're bringing into what you're putting out, you're going to see great results no matter what kind of approach you're using in the beginning. I lost, uh, when I was at my worst, I was severely depressed. I was 249 pounds and I did what's called the master cleanse for 28 straight days, which is the, you know, the lemonade diet. I made the lemonade with the fresh lemon juice and um, the maple syrup, grade B, because grade B has the nutrients. And I put the cayenne pepper in it. I put lots of cayenne pepper in it because I'm one of those idiots who thinks that more is better. So I would load it up to where it was, you know, super spicy and I had to sip on it. And I went 28 days on that stuff including the couple days of orange juice to start to come out of it. And I lost like 25 to 30 pounds, and I only got away with it because I was 24, 25 at the time. So I was young enough to be able to pull it off. I was running valet at the time. I had a high stress load, a high workout load. I was still training every single day, and I was still chronically depressed. After that, I just cut out, and I just went to an organic diet. That wasn't changing anything. But again, just based on removing the problematic things, and getting everything in balance, I saw great progress. Now to get to that next level and to start to get into more, you know, of the whatever you want to call it, the the elite stage, or your personal optimum stage, that's not going to be accomplished with some of these tricks and tactics that are used in the beginning. So just bear that in mind. Don't overeat fat. This goes right in lines with the blood ketone level problem. There's this saying that gets a lot in these keto groups that gains a lot of traction. To burn fat, you have to eat fat. Well, how does that make sense? If I have all the stored energy here, let me go lower. If I have the stored energy here and I want to start using that, why should I be taking in more and more energy externally? It doesn't make any sense. There is some evidence that in the beginning, a lot of people, your metabolism will be like decreased if you've been you know, chronically starving yourself or doing crash dieting or yo-yo dieting. In that case, yeah, you may need a little more energy in the first place. But again, once you're eating consistently, if you're experiencing times where you're not hungry, yeah, go a little bit longer. Don't eat. You have all this stored energy inside your body. Start running off of it. That's our whole goal. The fat adaptation process starts to change the actual mitochondria. There's mitochondrial changes that can take place. And I've seen people estimate that it takes, you know, I could pull that up real quick. Watch this. So here's some misinformation coming at you, but I'm going to label it appropriately so we know ahead of time, okay? We can come here and we can start looking what is fat, how long does fat ad adaptation take? Oh, this one's pretty cool here. This is something I'm playing around with about genes and dieting prediction. Uh, okay, so here's an article in Forbes real quick, and I want to point something out here. The fatty acid chains are broken apart through beta oxidation, blah, 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 blah. Acetyl-CoA. So when we're metabolizing our fat, whether it's external or internal, endogenous or exogenous, exogenous is out, endogenous is in, this right here. This is the whole point. We are trying to get this into the Krebs cycle to start producing, the citric acid cycle to start producing ATP for energy. That is it. That is the whole goal. Okay? I'll break to show you that one more time. This cycle is producing ATP that fuels our body. We are trying to get this right here to enter the citric acid cycle. That's it. 
So eating more and more fat doesn't work. Now watch this. How long does fat adaptation take? Some people will say that fat adaptation occurs in three to four weeks, which is about the time that you know you get over uh, the see here it looks three days to two weeks carb addiction feed the machine i don't know how credible that is uh how long it takes to be fat adapted where's this one come from perfect keto three weeks okay uh, belly proof five to six weeks paleo rx paleo fx sorry oh that one's just telling you how to get in there in the first place it's not even giving you an estimated time frame so look at keto gains. Um, I have a recommendation today. I try to put out the best quality content I can. The group that's been at this the longest for the ketogenic diet for body recompositioning is keto gains. Anytime you run into um, these problems where you're getting dual sources of information or more, check out keto gains. They have a great FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions page. It covers every single thing that you need to know, and they link uh, research to everything. They change they have changed their opinions on several things over the years as research has supported different, um, you know, better hypotheses and better approaches. So when in doubt, go with keto gains. I would give them a plug. I'm not affiliated with them in any way. I just, I just get my information from and I've seen the best success. So I'm passing that on to anybody that's watching this or listening to this because I want you to achieve that too. When people start overeating fat, they really underutilize protein. All of a sudden, there's this fear about gluconeogenesis. Now, I have been the weirdo that decided to blood test myself several times a day for, uh, I think the longest I went was three or four days, but I was eating it, like unlimited amounts of protein. I was having 300 grams of protein or more a day. I weigh about 210 when I was doing that. That is way too much protein. My blood sugar never went up. It was always stable. My ketone levels did not show that anything uh, had kicked me out of ketosis, quote-unquote. They were consistent with the days that I was doing um, moderate amounts of protein, being like you know, 0.8 grams for every pound of lean mass, like most recommend. So don't fear protein on a ketogenic diet. Going back to that keto gains reference, they have a great calcula calculator on there. You plug in your mass, your lean mass, your activity level and it'll start to spit out some ranges to train in based on your goals and that 0.8 it starts off at about 0.8 grams per lean pound of mass a lot of ketogenic authors or uh, not even authors but a lot of ketogenic websites and facebook groups you know they're recommending fat levels that are way way higher if somebody feels better on that and they're seeing progress absolutely stick with it but again, going back to that mentality that more fat's going to produce more results, that's not true. When in ketosis, people, another motivation, and I don't get this one personally, having been an athlete and really loved training, but a lot of people want to skip training. They just don't like the way it feels. Um, generally, when you kind of dive into how those people are approaching it, they're trying to do it too long. They're trying to do you know, too much running. Everybody wants to go right to running for some reason, thinking that's going to burn the most fat, and that's not true. You want proper resistance training first and foremost as your foundation of your training in a context of healthy movement. So I want to be increasing my ability to move, my range of motions. I want to be able to increase my strength. 
if you look at athletes, I already did a presentation on this, so I'm not going to dwell on this, but the leanest athletes are the ones who are the strongest, like gymnasts, for example. Gymnasts aren't out there running hours and hours a week. They're practicing strength training, and they're doing so in rep ranges where they are fully engaged and controlling, but they're building type 2 B muscle fibers. And those muscle fibers are burning the fuel every single second of the day, even when you're sleeping. So don't skip training. That's the biggest takeaway. And make sure the resistance training is the foundation. Another reason for this is, you know, when everybody talks about the curvature they want, be it men or women, that comes from increasing muscle mass. If you're a man and you want the V-shape from the shoulders down to the waist, you have to have a good frame through the chest and shoulders, and you have to be lean in the middle. The curvature that women want require muscle in the right places. So just going out and do a lot of cardiovascular exercise is not going to be changing the body dimensions as most people want. Initially, you will see a decrease in performance when you switch in the ketogenic diet and you're struggling initially. You're going to have a little bit less energy. Your, balance, your, re your recovery is going to be a little off. People who are using high-intensity training, HIIT training, H-I-I-T. For some reason, my brain always wants to say H-I-T-T. People who are using HIIT, uh, high-interval intensity training, are going to see a further drop-off, and you're going to have to probably come out of the HIIT mentality for quite a while like a month or so, maybe six weeks. But as that fat ad adaptation keeps occurring, and I've seen estimates that full adaptation can take six months, nine months, not that you have to be in ketosis 100% of the time, but that your body is really having those changes at the cellular level to really utilize fuel first and foremost as a main energy source, you're going to have to skip or you're going to have to modify the training initially. I was going through some strength cycling using like a 531, which is a program from a man named Jim Wendler, focuses on strength, muscle acquisition, all that good stuff. I had to dial my numbers back for about four weeks. It's not a reason not to do it, just get through the phase and you know get on with it. On that note, I wanted to bring up this article real quick. And this is a potential drawback of the ketogenic diet. If you're a hard training athlete, I'm guessing probably nobody on this call is. But right here, glucose can go through the citric acid cycle without oxygen, but it's far more efficient process to create energy with oxygen, whether it be from glucose, fat, or proteins. What does that mean? Sounds fancy. Why am I bringing that up? Because going back to the high-intensity interval training, most people are pushing themselves into an anaerobic state, which means that you're exercising and you're no longer in the presence of oxygen. You're having to use a different energy pathway. That's fine to do it when you're well-rested, and it's fine to do it in short bouts and short bursts. But when you're relying on it as your primary source of training, if you're going high intensity too often, it's going to have some really negative effects. Whether you're in ketosis or not, you don't want to be hitting the high-intensity work too often. You have to recover. If your goal is to change your body composition, it's about a, the amount of work that you have to recover from, that you're able to recover from. If you're trying to put on a muscle, you're trying to put on strength. All these things, we're providing this intense, brief stimulus telling our body, hey, you better adapt to this. But the adaptation is occurring when you're recovering. So don't run yourself into the ground. Go, don't go do 
longer runs for, you know, 45 an hour minutes. The most effective cardio routines are usually like 12 to 20 minutes, depending on the intensity level and the skill level that, that you're at. And those are layered on top of the movement and strength training in very short bouts. When you're fully well rested, yeah, have at it. Go intense. As long as you can recover from it, as long as you're not going to hurt yourself. Absolutely challenge yourself a little bit. Most people I see going doing that once a week, maybe a little bit less. Maybe if you really got everything dialed in, you can go multiple times a week. My high-intensity work is usually done during my jiu-jitsu sessions towards the end when I'm getting the snot knocked out of me by people who know what they're doing. And my heart rate's really elevated, but we're only going a couple minutes per each round. I'm not trying to maintain that for 30 minutes. And I know this as a fact, and I will keep telling everybody that listens to this because I fried myself years ago trying to be the high-intensity guy every single time I stepped in the gym, trying to go longer, trying to go heavier, trying to go faster. It'll work in the beginning, but then you have to get strategic about it and you have to recover. All right. I hope that broke everything down. Ketogenic diet obviously takes a long time to explain. Nutrition in general, it's a mess right now. I'm doing a presentation for a company tomorrow about it. If you have any questions, please comment down below. If you disagree with anything, please comment down below. I'd love to hear why. I'd love to get your sources of information and show my source of information. Maybe we can each learn something. If you're starting off and you're not sure about what diet you need, if you're you know debating between keto, paleo, carnivore, uh, vegan, if you're not sure how to train, I am doing discovery calls right now. I wanted to offer that to everybody who's attended this call um, or listening to this podcast. If you're on Facebook, you can comment down below. Just write discovery call, and we can get something booked. Even if you're not in Reno, I'm happy to do it and happy to show you your options. If you're on the podcast, contact me. Opening this up right now while I have time as we're trying to grow the local gym here in Reno. And, you know, we'll just dive in. We just look at what you're doing, guessing on what's wrong or what's right. Sometimes we're doing everything right, and sometimes it takes a little patience. Thanks, Michael. I really appreciate that. It's something I've been researching a while and tinkering with. and something I'm going to keep looking into. So, um, yeah. So anyone that wants to do a discovery call, you're, you're more than welcome. Comment down below, and I'll message you. Or you can PM me if you feel better, if you don't want to put your you know, name out there on someone else's post. I totally get that. Just PM me and we'll find a time that works for both of us. And look for more topics. I'm doing these every single day. It's a challenge that I'm undergoing. And I will be giving you guys some more content. And um, just let me know what you like and what you don't like. And we'll keep making these better and better, more useful for everybody. Thanks for the time today. Go make a great day, everybody. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Peace. making some changes let's change the way we eat let's change the way we live and let's change the way we treat each other you see the old way wasn't working so it's on us to do what we gotta do to survive